0: Hi, and welcome to the Rocky River United Methodist Podcast, and I'm excited here to do, continue our series on, our Linton series about um, spiritual disciplines, and uh, I believe this is our fifth week, right? Yeah. Sounds right. I think it's our fifth week. So, um, that voice you just heard is Paul. He's our assistant pastor at Rocky, R- Rocky River United Methodist Church i'm the youth pastor here and uh we're just bro- really excited to be putting on this podcast now i think it's been over a year hasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. it has to be over right. a year. so that's pretty incredible so we want to thank all our supporters for helping us get through this year um actually no one sponsors this podcast it's just <laughs> <laughs> it's just us and uh but we do hope that this podcast is uh, strength and encouragement for your faith so um but yeah we're going to be continuing our fifth week Um, This next spiritual discipline is going to be one that is really good, one that I think not many of us, including myself and Paul, don't have. um, We we have some practice in it, but it's something that's definitely not common, but we're going to be talking about confession this week. So um, I'm going to have Paul um, explain and confess what confession is. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you're already setting the expectations too high. Uh, They're expecting some sort of confessional experience here. (laughs) We're talking about confession, but we we won't, uh, I don't think it'd be good for anybody involved if we we went into confession itself. (laughs) Um, Confession is a spiritual discipline that is um, right at the core of uh, our experience of community and I think it's important to note that from the beginning because it is listed under the corporate disciplines uh, in Richard Foster's book which uh, is is a book that we've been leaning on and borrowing from quite a bit through this series uh, Foster's Celebration of Discipline and and he includes confession under a corporate discipline. A corporate discipline is uh, an activity that, that bonds the body of Christ together, and it's uh, best practiced within the context of our local church or our local church body. So it's something that, that somehow, some way, brings us uh, together. And confession is uh, a corporate discipline. And we'll get to that in just a few moments uh, from now, why it is a corporate discipline and and, uh, how that's different than an an individual soul uh, discipline and and why it's important that we understand the the, uh, corporate piece of it. But uh, confession is is rooted, friends, in in simply this concept that God – has this unending desire to forgive his children. Of course, uh, we have to start with the reality that That we, as His children, are sinners. We we have strayed. Uh, we are helplessly broken from the moment we're, we're born into this world. We are uh, we are broken. We are, are askew. We have, we've lost uh, sight of the path that God has called us to travel, and it's uh, this disease called sin, and and uh, we're helpless against it. And of course, um, because of uh, our helplessness, uh, but God's desire to be in relationship with us anyway, um, He sent His Son to. Uh, Right that wrong and put us back in in good standing with God, uh, with Him through the cross. And uh, so we are uh, set free. And that's uh, one of the pieces that Foster touches on early in his chapter on confession, is that um, do, do we, we still need to confess, or why do we still need to confess? Because we're already forgiven. Uh, so why would we need to uh, go on and on about the things that uh, we still uh, mess up on if we're already forgiven before we even confess anything, before we profess uh, what those sins are? And it's important um that we we confront that question uh, early on, and uh, the truth is, yeah, of course we're we're forgiven because of the cross, and uh, Jesus died once for all, so that 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 uh, that counts for everybody. Everybody qualifies as a forgiven child of God, but um, God calls us to this act of of confession. Uh, because confession is, is more than just a uh, transaction. It's more than just a, a one-time um, attempt on our part to try to uh, right our wrongs or uh, somehow clear the air uh, with God on the things that we're messing up on. It's a. Uh, it's more than just a, a psychological exercise, too. It's, it's not just something to make ourselves feel better about ourselves or our relationship with God. Um, it's it's really a, an act of spiritual growth and healing to confess our sins. is a, a spiritual discipline. It's an act of of uh, trying to improve upon and uh, draw more intimate uh, alongside God in our relationship with Him. In Philippians 2:12, uh, Paul, the apostle Paul, calls us to uh, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Well, um, maybe not many of us have really engaged in a really uh, formal confessional experience. Um, like uh, others have, or maybe historically people uh, did. But um, I, have, uh, I have a feeling that doing so is, uh, in some senses, an act of fear and trembling. So I think confession is, is part of the uh, formula that goes into that, that working out of our salvation with fear and trembling, uh, that in doing so we are drawing closer to God, but in, in a way that uh, can be uh, anxiety-inducing and stressful for us. Um, so now on to that, that question that we uh, engaged a few moments ago, is, is confession, is it a private discipline or is it a corporate discipline? And the answer is uh, yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. It is a private discipline. And uh, that's the case because the truth is anybody at any time can go directly to God and confess a sin to God and uh, make right with God or or in their own heart and their own spirit make right with God. Um, without a human mediator, we don't need somebody between us and God. Um, I think the greatest illustration for this is when Jesus died on the cross, and the the, uh, the scriptures detail that at the moment he breathed his last, the temple of the curtain that uh, set apart this holy of holy places, this holy of holy uh, space within the temple that people were not allowed to enter, that that temple uh, curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. So God reached out with His two hands and tore that curtain and uh, broke the divide that had kept us separate from him. And now we can go straight to God without a human mediator. And back in, uh, in, in Christian history, the time of the Reformation, And uh, around that time period, this was a big deal. It was a revolutionary concept, and a lot of people were were pretty stoked about this idea that we can go to God, and the church had forgotten it in many ways because, in in a lot of ways, the church had tied itself too much with uh, society. And it had fallen in love with the control uh, that the church could hold and the leaders of the church could hold over people by being the sole means of those individuals uh, getting right with God and and confessing their sins. So the Reformation kind of righted that wrong and uh, reminded us that confession is a private discipline, but but, uh, we don't want to go too far to that extreme either because it's also a corporate uh, discipline. Confession needs to be a corporate activity and uh, we need to confess our sins to one another first of all uh, why is this so difficult why do we struggle uh, with it because there's absolutely no question that we do we struggle with it foster said uh, mostly because uh, in our churches in our our, um, christian bodies we have this sense that we are the only ones that mess up. We're the only ones that fall short because we, we put on these masks as we're walking around. We walk into church on Sunday mornings, and and we put on our best face. We try and get our kids to you know act ship shape and not mess around too much because we want to put on this uh, this presentation that, that demonstrates that we are living not just uh, the societal life the way that um, is appropriate, but we're living the Christian life in in an appropriate way. So, uh, so everybody around us uh, knows and, and believes that uh, you know that we pray before meals and that we read our Bibles and that we're not uh, we don't have any vices on the side and we have to give off that, that appearance. And uh, we we feel that coming from others, and so we we create that in ourselves. And it ends up, uh, this, this experience is that um, we are the only broken ones. We know inside that we're broken. We assume nobody else is. And so Foster put it this way. He said, we we assume that uh, the the church is composed of a, a fellowship of saints when really it's a fellowship of sinners. Um, and we, we see uh, the saints on the surface. The truth is beneath the surface. The reality is we're all sinners. We're all messing up. Uh, we've messed up in the past. We're messing up now we're going to mess up in the future, but we, we can't help but hide from one another and live behind these these veils of, of uh, lies and, and hypocrisy because we don't want to confront that truth. If we knew the truth that everybody else was just as, as messed up and lost and broken as we were, then it would free us uh, to open up to one another. Um, I wanted to share and we'll let uh, Stephen share. I know he uh, he enjoyed that that portion of Foster's book about the fellowship of saints versus uh, sinners. We'll let him jump in, but uh, this is a, a song by Casting Crowns. If we have any Casting Crowns fans out there, Stephen are you a Casting Crowns yeah, fan? Yeah, I
0: like Casting Crowns, especially growing up. They're one of my favorites.
1: All right. Yeah, you for you growing up was for me um, well, I don't even know why I'm saying this. I'm supposed to be hiding the fact that I'm older than you because this is not a confessional. You know, I'm supposed to pretend like I'm young. and uh, Yeah, so there's a little irony there. But... Uh, Casting Crowns, I was, I was a little bit into in my college and young adult years. There's a song by Casting Crowns called Stained Glass Masquerade. Are you familiar with this? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's this, uh, basically the story of, of how the, the, kind of the, the culture and the feel of us walking into church on Sunday mornings, uh, written from the first person. So uh, it goes, is there anyone that fails? Is there anyone that falls? Am I the only one in church today feeling so small? Because when I take a look around, everybody seems so strong. I know they'll soon discover that I don't belong. So I tuck it all away like everything's okay. If I make them all believe it, maybe I'll believe it too. So with a painted grin, I'll play that part again. So everyone will see me the way that I see them. Then the chorus, are we happy plastic people? under shiny plastic steeples, with walls around our weakness and smiles that hide our pain, but the invitations open to every heart that's been broken. Maybe then we close the curtain on our stained glass masquerade. Stained glass masquerade. So this notion that (laughs) When we come into church on Sunday mornings, and especially if Sunday morning is really your only uh, exposure to your church family, um, the Sunday morning experience is, does not really facilitate uh, a confessional, at least not a meaningful one, that we uh, can in relationship confess and open up and be honest with one another. So we, we walk in and uh, we have to put on those happy plastic uh, faces and never get to the truth of uh, what's going on behind closed doors and what's going on in people's hearts and so we never get to uh, grow together and uh, nurture one another and challenge one another and uh, just mature as a a body uh, because all of that stuff remains uh, secret and and private steven anything or should i keep on keep on (laughs) rambling here
0: uh yeah you can keep going on and uh, i'll stop at jimmy john's i'm sure they'll have a sandwich ready by the time you're done so
1: jimmy john's is
0: fast <laughs> yeah, i wouldn't have known that a year ago but they yeah a good right.
1: 30 seconds and they got your sandwich ready to exactly. roll
0: i'll be yeah i'll be there no anyways uh yeah i think everything that paul has shared has, has been right on and uh, my takeaway from the book um, is quite similar to his and um, I, I love the way he started the chapter, um, talking about how how a lot of us see God. He says, um, when it comes to the cross, when it comes to the image of the cross, people, this is kind of how people see it. Um, he describes that people were so bad and, and so mean and God was so angry with them that he could not forgive that um, he could not forgive them unless somebody, um, big enough was there to kind of like take the sin from them. Um, and I think that's kind of how we see the cross. You see the cross as God angry and mad, and Jesus stumps, stumps, uh, steps in between us and God, and God takes his anger out on Jesus before he takes it out on us. And, but that's not the way he, the way the scripture describes it. It was love, not anger, that brought Jesus to the cross. Um, Gelgatha was a result of God's great desire to forgive and his um, not his resilience or his reluctance sorry Jesus knew that by his victorious suffering he would actually absorb all the evil humanity and so heal it forgive it and redeem it um, so God's desire was out of love um, a matter of fact in 1st John it says um, it's not that we love God first is that he loved us first is that um, and God showed his love to us by sending his son to die on the cross for his sins. So throughout, especially the book of John, but throughout all scripture, you see that God's motivation was love. And, and our God's desire is to forgive, um, which means that um, in order to be forgiven, we must confess our sins to him and also the uh, confessing sins to each other, which is which is very, very hard to do, especially after what just Paul Said we do live in a church society. I don't care what denomination it is Methodist, Baptist, non-denominational, Presbyterian, whatever denomination it is. Church in America in general holds a view of as what Paul just said that we're a community of saints and not sinners. Um, a matter of fact, this is kind of what Jesus was addressing when he was um, when the Pharisees saw that Jesus was eating at the house of tax collectors and prostitutes are like the the pharisees went up to his disciples and said what is your teacher doing and jesus ends up responding he says i have come to call the um the call sinners not the righteous um he also said it's the sick who need the doctor not the healthy um so what jesus was saying is that at the cross and in the church is that God calls sinners to the cross. He doesn't call those who think they're righteous. Um, and and the, really, the, I've also heard it described that the church is more of a hospital than it is a, hmm. um, I don't know, mall or shopping center or something. Like, the church is a hospital of broken people coming to worship before a God who heals and redeems, who a God who is the great physician. So um, having that reality... Um, within the church is really, really hard to find, uh, incredibly hard to find. Um, and can be even harder, too, in, in larger churches. The larger the church gets, the less you know of people, and the harder it is to confess. So um, that's why the importance of small groups and, and community groups um, are needed for that very practice. But I, I, I do believe that's part of the reason, myself included, part of the reason why it's so hard to do a confession with another individual because it's so hard to find... Um, People that you can completely trust, and you can completely give yourself to. And and what's interesting too, um, this is kind of a side note, but I listen to a ton of podcasts. Um, but I've been hearing more and more of these advertisements on these podcasts for counselors, and it's just getting really, really popular of um, counselors who are waiting to listen to people who are. Going through so even mental illness and 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 mental sickness and stuff what whatnot is is really popular now, um, but I've never heard so many advertisements for um, counselors, and, and it just goes for our society our need and longing to confess and share our struggles, our past, our sins, our our fears of the future, anxieties. I mean. I mean Um, all of that stuff is boiling inside all of us. And the the church is meant to be that safe place where we can express ourselves, but it it doesn't quite live up to that standard. But, um, but yeah, so I I really, we need to think of God as um, we don't have to, I love this quote here from the book, we don't have to make God willing to forgive sin, but it is God working to make us willing to seek his forgiveness. So we don't need to make God willing to forgive. He's already willing to forgive. But it's God working in us to make us willing to seek his forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love how that, that transformation, that seeing that from a different angle, um, that it's not a God who's seeking to punish, but it's a God who's seeking to um, s- spill out his forgiveness and grace and mercy um, towards us, so yeah, it's been really good.
1: Uh, yeah, I think God has a need and an insatiable desire to forgive His people, and as you were hinting at, I think His people have an inborn need, some conscious need at times to. Right. Seek forgiveness. Uh, we want. <laughs> we right. we know uh, that it's something that we need to do, even if we don't know it. Our our uh, inside, we know it. Subconsciously, we know it. We know that being authentic, being right. genuine, and being honest, right. and and uh, being humble, is a, a feel good experience. Is a feel good notion. And uh, we're looking for opportunities to do that, but, right. boy, it takes a lot of courage, doesn't right. it? And right. and in, unless people model it for us, right. um, we maybe behind closed doors with a counselor, we might open up with something. But, uh, you know, it's crazy how you can share something with a, a counselor yet not share it with another member of, of the body of Christ. Right. You know, we're more comfortable in right. that setting. And that's what we need to change. Um, right. I think that uh, Foster said, it, you know, his, his driving point at the end of the book is, or at the end of the chapter was um, incorporating confession into your uh, church life and, and your individual life uh, puts an end to pretense. It puts an end to pretense. In other words, it brings, um, it makes us as individuals healthier, more uh, authentic, more real people, which allows us in community to be uh, more intimate in relationships and more healthy in relationships. Uh, my 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 belief is that the arrow kind of goes this way the unwillingness or inability to confess our sins leads to a lack of accountability. If we're not sharing where we're broken uh, then we can't help each other uh, mend those broken places in our lives. So if we're not opening up about how we're broken, how we're messing up we can't come alongside each other and if we're not holding each other accountable and not encouraging each other through our broken places and times um, then we're we're cheapening our experience of community. So uh, really you know, it directly our inability unwillingness to confess uh, our broken places leads to um, just a, a, a very low ceiling on what our experience of community is, is going to be can ever be uh, because that's such a big part of it. I think it's interesting what I've heard in the last 10 years or so is that uh, in, especially in church uh, communities, but really everywhere in society, um, one of the leadership skills, uh, leadership qualities that people are looking for more than ever is um, authenticity. People want their leaders to be authentic. They want them to be down to earth, to be real, to be uh, humble, uh, to be able to come alongside them and whatever. And I, I think that's our way of crying out, saying that we, we want to be led in this direction. We have this need within us that we're trying to pinpoint, we don't really know exactly where it comes from, exactly how to describe it, but we know we want people around us and in leadership positions who are going to model this, and I, I think that inborn recognition is coming from this this notion that we, we know we need it. We know we need to follow somebody who's going to lead us in that direction, and I, I think in churches it's especially important because that experience of community is, is uh, the be-all end-all uh, of um, what we're about and what we're trying to do. Um, one of the things that that uh, Foster pointed out on this topic that, that kind of caught me by surprise, I hadn't really put much thought into, was this notion that uh, we, as individuals, as followers of Christ, have the authority to forgive one another. Now, that doesn't mean that we are, you know, throwing a cross of Jesus on our back and, and saying, we're the we're the one who is it was extending grace to you. We're the one who officially is setting you free from your chains. No, but it's we can communicate and relay God's forgiveness to other individuals in our lives. Um, and in fact, when Jesus sent his disciples out, he told them, uh, when they went out to, to preach the gospel to surrounding communities, if you forgive the sins of the people, then those sins are forgiven. And if you don't, then they aren't. He, he gave his uh, disciples, in fact, he called them, he ordered them to extend forgiveness uh, to the individuals that they were trying to minister to. And what a privilege it is to, to be The the person who's essentially representing God in an interaction and saying to another person as they pour their heart out and their broken places out to you, say, guess what? I hear you, and that's all serious, and that's all a big deal, and, and uh, and that's pretty dreadful stuff, but guess what? You are forgiven. God has mercy for you no matter who, no matter what, no matter what you've done. God has mercy. You are forgiven. And that's an experience that we all need, whether we know it or not. We need that. A lot of people, Foster described, try and do this private confession thing. They try and pray to God and ask for forgiveness for different things that they've done or ways they've fallen short. And, you know, as, as much as that's an important piece of the puzzle, that alone doesn't cut it for a lot of people because they, they don't feel on the other side that they've been forgiven. They're not, they are not. They don't get to look in somebody else's eyes and, and see uh, the love of Christ spilled out to them. They don't get to uh, really vocalize to another individual um, what they've done and, and where they've messed up and so God calls us to be uh, people of forgiveness to one another, just as we are people of confession to one another, because that exchange is critically important for our ability to truly be in relationship uh, together as members of the body of Christ. So um, it's it really goes along with the notion of the priesthood of all believers. And priests in the Old Testament, one of their main roles was to uh, convey forgiveness to the people. The people would bring their sacrifice. And the priest would uh, take the sacrifice and burn it and process it, however God had instructed them to. And he would, they would look at the people and say, okay, you're forgiven. Uh, you know, go and do your thing. Well... It's the same thing, supposed to be the same model in the church today. People come with their their sins, not necessarily to a priest because we're all priests, priesthood of all believers. We are all called to play that role. So uh, if you can find a mature brother or sister in Christ to share your your broken places with, um, they get to play that role of showing you love and and tenderness and, and mercy on the other side. Of sharing that thing that you just need to get out in order to be healthy and, and move forward in life, and that's exactly as uh, God designed it to be. Um, and
0: uh, yeah, I think that's you said a ton of really, <laughs> really great things that I also want to speak on. I think um, I, I agree with you. I think in our leaders we want integrity we want honesty we want and this is kind of why whenever a celebrity or an athlete or music artist whatever we always love this is why the gospel or the gossip magazines are well read because we're all oh, look they're broken people oh and we look at them and sometimes there's a sense of uh um, brokenness. Whenever you're a celebrity hero or whoever, as you find out some dirt about them, you're just like, "Oh, there's another person who's collapsed and fallen and broken," and mm-hmm. um, and, and I think part of it too we relate to because we have our own brokenness and struggles and. Um, and sometimes it's, it's it, not sometimes it's always easier to jump on other people's <laughs> sins and you look at their sins like oh look at those people but then you do your own self-reflection you're like oh man i i'm also struggling too as well but i think within every human being we're seeking that savior type figure mm-hmm. someone who's completely genuine someone who's completely honest someone who's com- full of integrity um someone who's who's really jesus right so um that person of christ also i think uh, as paul was talking about i thought i thought about just um forgiveness is freedom and i think foster mentions this in his book because the opposite of of forgiveness is walking around with guilt you know and guilt is living in guilt is slavery Um, living in guilt is overwhelming um i i believe probably many or some of our listeners even listening now we having that guilty conscience just weighs us down, right? Um, just picture it almost kind of like um, if you tell one lie, you got to tell a lie on top of a lie on top of a lie, and before you know it, you're buried in the lie. And it's kinda kind of how guilt works, because if we don't ever confess, we don't really seek the forgiveness, the guilt of what we've done wrong continues to pile up, pile up, pile up, and it just weighs on us. In um, in that sense of guilt is real slavery, and the forgiveness of the expression of of seeking forgiveness and letting that guilt go away, we can have that true freedom that we um, that we're really seeking. And also too, this isn't confession and and speaking of our our past and uh, struggles this is not (laughs) what what i find funny this is not a religious or irreligious thing like people who are not religious at all seek this because like i said listening to these podcasts counselors are everywhere people and and they're not christian counselors people in general are seeking confession, right? They're seeking someone to express themselves to. This is a human, innate human desire. Again, I I think this, again, gives evidence to just the cross and Christ and and the reality of Christianity because all of humanity is seeking this. We all feel this this pent-up. Um, need to express ourselves we all feel this guilt we all feel this struggle um, and this is exactly what the christian story is about it is dealing with that um, whether you're religious or not people are all have this internal struggle it's a, it's a human desire and the last thing i want to say too what's incredible about the christian faith that no other faith offers um, whether you're atheist buddhist hindu muslim whatever the christian faith um doesn't just give this symbolic um, reference to forgiveness it's not just this kind of saying no it's it's a literally concrete reality that jesus physically died on a cross to express the forgiveness right so it's a real the cross is a graphic reminder of the seriousness of sin but it's also a graphic reminder of of jesus paying the price for our sins for us to receive forgiveness and and no other faith religion or belief or concept or whatever has this concrete visual very graphic visual of forgiveness and this is part of the reason why um the part of the reason why the sacrifices at the temple why the jews the jews said this animal is dying in your place for your sins but it's also an evidence of the forgiveness that god is offering to you um, and it was a real-life, concrete, um, visual example that people can literally see. Um, like on the cross, we literally see our forgiveness being taken care of in Jesus. It's not a figment of our imagination. It's not some belief. It's not some fairy tale. It's not a um, some other religions that may say, oh, you just need to believe harder. You need just try harder. No, the cross—the cross is literal physical evidence um, that shows for our forgiveness, and, and that that goes a long, long way um, towards confession, a long, long way towards um, living a life in um, the freedom of forgiveness, knowing that. Um, our sins it not just talk that our sins forgiven. It's concrete reality that our sins are forgiven. Um, and also looking at uh, looking on the other side when we see Christ risen from the dead three days later, that's also concrete evidence for us as well that our sins have been paid for. That that real forgiveness is available. That real freedom is available. That there's something greater and better on the other side of this. Um, and and so confession is a way of healing and. and Um, it's a way of being cleansed and purified and um, renewed into a new walk and a new life in Christ and it doesn't say you will never sin again but it does kind of give you that sort of that feel of a restart and a new birth new beginning um and and this is kind of kind of how the story when people say when they come to christ is said a burden's been lifted from me mm. right and that that's kind of referenced to that i finally can confess my sins and see my sins dealt with but also have that new life um available in christ so yeah it's it's a good practice.
1: As you said, freedom. It's freedom. Uh, f- uh, Foster shared a story in in this chapter where uh, when he was first really coming to grips with the importance of confession in his own life, uh, how he um, reached a point where he knew he had to take this seriously. So he, he found a trusted friend and uh, asked if he could sit down with this, uh, with this guy. And he brought a whole list of Basically, all the sins he had committed in his entire life, and he was going to go through, through this formal confession uh, experience, and, and he did so. And he said it, it felt like uh, this this act of uh, you know releasing a huge burden. He felt freer, and then uh, he had this piece of paper with all the li- the, the uh, things listed out that he had done, and and so he finished, and they prayed, and and he went to grab for the piece of paper uh to tuck it back in his pocket and walk away and instead his friend reached out and said no 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 you know we're, we're not doing it that way he took the piece of paper from uh foster and he he tore it into little tiny shreds and dumped them all right in the trash can uh, as a symbolic way of of saying no you don't take these with you 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 are free of these you have you have been forgiven and uh, you were forgiven before you even committed the acts but because of this exchange that we've had and you've sought forgiveness from god intentionally because you you wanted to humble yourself and and repent before god you've received and not just uh received in a, a technical sense but you've experienced that forgiveness now you don't take these sins with you they are a thing of the past they are forgotten god has forgotten them you need to forget them too so he left the piece of paper there Uh, to be shredded and and, uh, trashed, which I think was a powerful story. But we we arrive at the the how-to point, I think. I think it's important with each of these spiritual disciplines to address that question, how-to. And uh, Stephen hinted at it earlier, the importance of small groups. Um, And, you know, we call them them core groups here, uh, call them small groups, anything you want. And um, and even, you know, it doesn't even have to be a formal small group that's recognized by your church, that's on some, you know, brochure somewhere that your church hands out that, oh, this small group exists at this person's home. It can be just a a, a group of, a circle of friends, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who uh, get to and and, um, just do life together but to me this is this is the most effective um, setting in which to experience uh, this practice and, and to live it out it uh, doesn't mean that there aren't other places and ways to do it, but I think um, that's the, the healthiest setting is, is in a small group context. And um, y- you just have these this group of folks that uh, you you do life together. You get together. The key is you, you know each other well enough. You get together on a regular basis. You know uh, your your um, day-to-day routines. You know your highs and lows. Uh, the people around you know your weaknesses. Uh, they know what makes you tick. Uh, they know what what your gifts and skills are, um, but over the course of building relationships with them, finding a way to intentionally incorporate this this accountability piece, uh, where you're taking time every time you're together to check in and, and uh, say, you know, this is this is where I've really uh, made God proud this past week, but. This is where I dropped the ball, and I need you all to hold me accountable to this, because I need—I really need to work on this, and it's a, a weak spot in my faith. Uh, to me, I think that's the best setting, and in that sense, it, it happens, this, this uh, notion of confession and accountability and forgiveness, it begins to happen organically. It's not something that you have to force. It's not like, oh, we've arrived at the time in the meeting when we're going to confess our sins, because nobody wants that. That's not the way it's supposed to feel. It's supposed to be part of our uh, rhythm of relationship. And so uh, my desire would would be to see everybody in, in our church family and beyond have this uh, experience in their life of, of having a group of people that they uh, share a faith journey with and they do life together with on a number of different levels. They take care of each other. They, they love each other. They, they uh, forgive each other. They fight with each other at times, uh, but they also confess um, their sins to each other. They encourage each other. They forgive each other and they hold each other accountable. I think that uh, is an essential piece to the Christian faith that each and every one of us has to have in place uh, to be healthy in our walk with with the Lord. And I think it is uh, it, tremendously neglected in the church today. A lot of people are part of small groups. We take Bible studies. We we uh, have discussions about things, but we never go past surface level uh, to address this, that whole stained glass masquerade notion to really Uh, Confront that head on and be real with each other about where we're at so anyhow that's the context i think is is best suited for this experience foster mentioned three things that have to happen when you are confessing uh your sins one is an examination of conscience uh so basically this is the idea that we invite god into the moment to show us the places in our heart and soul that need his forgiveness and need His healing touch. Um, so it's it's preparing ourselves uh, to offer God our uh, sins and and whichever person we've chosen to confess them to, offer them our sins, and to uh, some self reflection to to identify what those are, and. Um, it's very important if it hasn't already been uh, clear by what I've just said that we confess specific sins um, not just a generic yes I, I messed up the other day or yes even worse yes I know that I'm a sinner or yes I've, I fall short um, you know it's it's almost like a bandwagon thing everybody in the church wants everybody else to know that they know that they're a sinner you know that's like a popular thing everybody is a sinner and we're quick to tell everybody yeah we're we're weak we fall short. We mess up. Nobody wants to say exactly how. <laughs> and it's so important that we communicate at some point to somebody in a trusted relationship how we mess up um, because that's that's when it gets real and uh, that's when we can really experience true healing and forgiveness for them. So this examination of conscience, anyhow, this, this examination of our heart and soul, what do we need to confess? Step two, sorrow. Uh, sorrow. We need to feel the brokenness of that, and it's not even necessarily Foster says an emotional sorrow. It's a, it's just a a, a willingness to to um, to feel and and uh, sense the repulsion. Of, uh, of, of what we've done. It's to, to be able to look at our sins and see how ugly they are and to, to call that what it is. Uh, so this sense of sorrow. And finally, three, a determination to avoid sin. So the goal isn't to just confess sin. The, the goal is to change. The goal is to stop doing it. Uh, so it's this repentance piece, this about face, um, the, this 180 degree churn and uh, to ask God for the strength and the will to be able to change Uh, how we operate and to avoid that sin moving forward. So those are the three steps that that Foster mentions. And... um And then the importance of choosing the right people to confess to, and hopefully if you have a small group uh, in your life that you you trust those folks or even a small group within your small group, maybe it's just two other people that you have as accountability partners and you you meet on the side on a regular basis to open up about stuff. Uh, But choosing people, he says... uh, let's see spiritual maturity Uh, he mentions wisdom compassion good common sense uh, their ability to keep a confidence uh, because as much as we need to confess doesn't mean that it's healthy for the entire world uh, to to be broadcast our sins all the time and a wholesome sense of humor uh, he listed as well as the qualities of the people that we choose to open up to about things Um, so I, I, I have a story or two that I'll toss your way, but uh, all in all, uh, friends, this is, um, and I, I feel like I'm saying this every week, Stephen, like every single spiritual discipline is something that we're horrible at, and, and we can't really experience uh, community and, and Christ fully until we get it down. So I don't know, I'm trying not to be too pessimistic or, or too, um, you know, too, too heavy on us, but I really think that this is a highly neglected thing that... Um, that we need to shore up and it's uh you know like i said earlier it puts a ceiling on what we can experience in community because we're not truly in real authentic relationships with e- with each other until we're being real with each other and uh, i think we have to get there so any uh thoughts you want me to share this story real quick or
0: uh yeah, let's hear your story. I hope it's probably pretty good.
1: You sounded hesitant. <laughs> like
0: like do we really want to hear his story? <laughs> do we story? really want to hear Paul? I thought you were going to
1: come in with something insightful and that's why you were hesitant. But no, you were just like, yeah, "Oh, I'm oh. really
0: curious to see what kind of story you have on confession." I mean, it's is it are you going to confess you've been playing video games too long or well, you know, it's in uh it's Oh, I know what it is. Uh-oh. Confession that you're not really a, Bra- a Steelers fan, but you're really a Browns fan. Wow!
1: I don't, yeah, I don't uh, know where where you. There's absolutely no evidence All right, that you can that
0: confess. Is, you're really a Browns fan, right? <laughs>
1: just say it on air. We'll. we'll no, no, it. it's it's really okay, Stephen. I use the word story, <laughs> very purposefully, because to tell a story about confession doesn't involve an actual confession oh, okay, itself. Okay, okay, it's okay, just okay. a recounting right. of of a confession, right. probably in the past, not involving me. Oh, okay. So is that we'll we'll talk about it off air okay okay. all right yeah sorry to disappoint you (laughs) um so no it's just a really cool story uh when i was younger (laughs) um steven's laughing like there's a that's keeping it pretty vague (laughs) because there was a lot of younger (laughs) paul uh i'm not really that old when i was a a teenager i was part of a, a group called youth Musical. And it's going to be hard for you to imagine me in a group like this, but it was a a church group in which uh, teenagers would actually um, learn a bunch of songs and choreography to go with the songs and he would sing and dance i would sing and dance oh, wow. yeah, i would sing and dance there's video oh. evidence of oh, it sorry. uh there was some some shenanigans that went on you know uh, <laughs> usually off stage and sometimes on stage that nobody knew about but uh but the singing and dancing was a real thing i really did that yeah. and um next sermon hopefully <laughs> yeah yeah we'll work in a good story no 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 yeah <laughs> yeah that's uh, long in the past but uh, teenagers would come from around Ohio, and and uh, we would spend three weeks, twenty four seven together in the summer, uh, just sharing. We would we would actually stay at uh, Stephen and I's alma mater, uh, Malone University, for a week and, and learn all the songs and choreography and and uh, get to know each other really well and then we would go on the road for two weeks and we'd go to churches and and um, do the whole singing and dancing thing and, and share some testimonies and we even had a puppet show that went along with it. It was really, really something swell. But uh, there was a, a very intentional um, bringing together of these young folks and, and the leaders were phenomenal just to uh, make sure we took time in Bible study uh, to help us um, grow together intimate relationships and, and um, to be real with each other and there's was one night in particular each time uh, each year when we went through this that uh, folks would have an opportunity to share their story and there was a young lady from the group that was new with us that year, and she was. Uh, she she got up and shared her story, and it was the first time that she had ever uh, shared it publicly, uh, including all the the delicate things that um, that had just happened recently in her life. Because she was uh, uh, she was an instance of teenage pregnancy. She had a boyfriend, and uh, they had had sex. She had got pregnant, and um, she was a couple of months pregnant when she was on tour with our group. And there was just so much uh, shame that had built up in her and so much anguish and, and trauma, having experienced what ended up being a very ugly relationship, abusive relationship. Um, and she's she's pregnant and uh, then carrying this child with her after the relationship and all the trauma had ended. And it's a reminder of everything that she had been through. And uh, she just brought that with her to this, this essentially this youth uh, ministry experience And it was all very fresh in her mind and the night we we shared our stories, she spilled all of that out to us and she was was just uh, emotionally a a wreck because it was uh, so painful yet at the same time so freeing to get all of this off of her shoulders. And uh, she just shared her story and then sat there with us and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed uh, for a very long time. And by the end of the evening, she was so weak, uh, so exasperated with everything uh, and the emotional um, experience that it was that she couldn't even stand. So we, had, we carried her back to her, her room. Uh, but just that experience of watching somebody else who had carried a burden like that. Um, and a story with them into a group and, and uh, just had never really opened up or felt the forgiveness or love of other people after having gone down a, a path um, that was very difficult and, and shameful for her um, to, to see her experience the forgiveness and the love of community on the other side of that was, was incredible. So uh, that's my story. doesn't involve any confession on my part. Um, unless Steven wants to offer anything to that extent before we close today but uh, just yeah friends it's it is um it's not one of those pipe dreams that we need to sit here and say, yeah, that really is important. We should get to it. it I mean, you know, the second this podcast ends, I, I can't encourage you enough, uh, you know, do some brainstorming, do some praying and, and discover who that person might be in your life or those people might be. Then don't, don't hesitate, pick up the phone and call them and say, Hey, this part of my Christian walk is really lacking. I need you to come alongside me. And maybe, maybe the case is you need me to, and we need to, to be real about this, uh, Notion this level of intimacy and relationship that we would be able to hold each other accountable in a way that maybe you've never experienced in a relationship uh, before to this point. So I can't encourage you enough to pursue that and uh, make that a part of your faith journey. Stephen, anything?
0: Yeah, that was good. Um, That was a good story sharing. Thanks for sharing. And I don't, I don't have any dramatic stories like that
1: that's all right maybe that's uh yeah. maybe there's a reason for that <laughs> maybe it's
0: coming maybe yeah, it's coming yeah god's preparing you for something exactly. big no, well but, yeah. oh, go ahead did you where are you gonna go i was
1: gonna sign us off but oh uh, yeah oh yeah yeah go ahead sign i'll us take off. it yeah uh, so uh, thanks for joining us for confession. One more week of uh, thanks for joining us for confession. Yeah, that didn't sound the way it, it normally would if we were talking about anything but confession. But. Um, Thanks for joining us for this another uh, episode of the Lenten series for the podcast, but we got one more yet to come. We're excited about next week. It's a little bit more of a pick-me-up, I think, the topic next week than than this one was, Uh, but both absolutely essential as we continue to journey our way towards uh, the cross and the empty tomb, and the cross and the empty tomb, because they're both essential. You can't have one without the other, uh, right? So we hope that you'll join us in uh, every way you possibly can to experience both of those things and all the uh, other pieces and parts around them Um, so continue to join us 8 30 10 11 30 all have in-person options now and uh, we miss you guys 8 30 you're you're still in your vehicles but we still get to say hi and see your your face to face and um, other two services are open and and uh, there's people we haven't seen in a long time don't don't forget us Uh, come back and visit and uh, continue to to share our uh, our faith experience together Uh, so we miss you all be well and uh, we'll catch you next week.